When it comes to persecution, Pastor Jeff says sometimes we bring it on ourselves. I've heard those testimonies of, well, I was at work and, and I was witnessing and I was trying to, you know, be a witness and sharing with my fellow workers. And my boss just came up and he two checked me, man, and said, get out of here. Man, I was persecuted. Then I asked him, well, when did you do this witnessing? Did you do it on your employer's time? Yeah. Well, then you deserved it, man. You don't go off and witness on your employer. Do it at break. Do it at lunch. But not on his time. I've been persecuted, you know. You brought it on yourself. Your spirit leads me on. And I'm running after Christian today usually doesn't win you popularity contests, will be hated, even persecuted at times when we're living for God. But that shouldn't surprise us, as the Bible says that this would be the case. Today on Sound Doctrine, we'll hear about the blessing attached to those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. The world may hate you, but God is pleased when you're living to honor Him, and that's what counts. Here's Pastor Jeff Johnson today on Sound Doctrine. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Titled this message, Living Godly Equals Persecution. And uh, as you're turning to Matthew 5, 10, I found a scripture this morning in Acts 14. You can just jot this down. Verse 22, where Paul and the brothers are going back to encourage everyone where they have gone before. And it says, And we went around confirming the souls of the disciples... And we exhorted them to continue in the faith that we, and Luke is one, the one writing Acts, so he concludes himself, Dr. Luke. He says, and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Very interesting statement that we, through much tribulation, will enter into the kingdom of God. So we look at our text this morning in Matthew 5.10, and Jesus says, Blessed, oh, how happy are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is our last beatitude. Now, I know that some have said, no, there's more, because what about verse 11 and 12? But when you really look at um, this one compared to this verse compared to those, you see that those verses are just a further elaboration, and actually it gives us an application of this promise. I mean, it just shows us why we're blessed, and, and we're going to talk about that later. But it's also a kind of a little message to his disciples personally, verse 11 and 12. So it really is a part of the, our eighth and final beatitude here in Matthew Chapter 5. 
So here we see the final mark, or and we've been looking at these Beatitudes as characteristics of what is a Christian. This is another characteristic of a Christian. James says, I count it all joy, or we should all count it all joy, when we enter into divers' trials and temptations. What, did James know something we don't know? You know, because sometimes, you know, we're going through the midst of a trial. Maybe your wife and, you know, maybe your husband or your children. You're going through this, 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 you know, maybe it's a chastening of the Lord. And, you know, the Scripture says it's, at the moment, not a lot of joy in it. But then it yields its peaceable fruit of righteousness. And, yes, all things do work for the good for those of us that love the Lord, even our trials and tribulations. But it is interesting. James says, count it all joy. And then Paul says, we glory in our trials and tribulations. Oh, Lord, can I get to that place where I can glory in this? You bet. God is bringing us into that place. Next week, we'll see a lot more about this as we see that there's rejoicing in tribulation. But right now, we just want to talk about this term of persecution. Those that are being persecuted... For righteousness' sake. Notice that this negative beatitude is due to his being a Christian. It's due to his behavior and how he is living his life. It's because he is Christ-like. So, first he's humbled, he's poor in spirit, he's mourning. Then he's meek. And then he hungers for righteousness and he's merciful Then he's pure in heart, and he becomes a peacemaker. Boy, you'd think that this guy would be very popular, wouldn't you? He's not. This is not how to win friends and influence people. We're not talking about that here, because this is definitely not how to do it. But it's because we are peacemakers, we will not be admired. That's interesting. We will be persecuted. Not all want peace with God. Did you know that? I'm sure you've run into those people. Not everybody wants to hear your peacemaking, you know. Hey, you can have peace with God, and then the peace of God will come in and rule in your hearts. Nah, get out of here, you know. Get away with your peace. So here we see real, the real sin in the world and, and just the world's attitude and, and its true colors here in this beatitude. All those, Paul talking to young Timothy over in 2 Timothy 3.12, he says, all those who live godly shall suffer persecution. Isn't that a great promise? When was the last time you had that little bread of life and opened it up and pulled that out to make your day? And all those that live godly shall suffer persecution. I don't need this. I don't want this. This doesn't uplift me. Well, there's a lot of promises that are like this that I think, you know, we always have the good ones, the neat ones that uplift us, but what about the precious promises that are on the negative side? Shouldn't we underline those also? I think so. Helps us to understand what's going on in real life. Because Jesus gave us where the rubber meets the road, man. This is life. This is what's going to happen if you seek to live for me in a dark world. So righteous living in an unrighteous world, what is the results of that? Notice the promise here 
is the same as the beatitude, remember, in verse 3. Look at that. And look at the promise there. For theirs is what? The kingdom of heaven. So twice we hear about to theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Why would he mention this twice? I think it's to emphasize the importance of being a member of that kingdom. Are you a member of God's kingdom? Now, to the Jews, they were blown away. They didn't understand. What, what is this? You know, the Messiah is going to set up a kingdom here on earth, and it's going to be materialistic. It's going to be, it's going to be uh, you know, mili- military. I mean, we're going to take over the Romans, you know, and they didn't understand when it didn't happen. Remember, God's, God sent his son to not set up a kingdom here on earth, but in, the men, but in men's hearts that we are promised the kingdom of heaven. So it's a real place, and the membership is a must. You must be a member to go. Philippians 3.20, Paul talking to those in Philippi made this impression. He said in 3.20, For our conversation, our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We got two citizenships, don't we? If you're an American, you got an American passport. And if you're a Christian, you got Jesus' passport, right? In your heart, you know by the Spirit of the Lord bearing witness with your spirit that you are a child of God and you're going to heaven. So two citizenships. But this is the one that's really needed for us to understand, and that is to be right with the Lord so you are a member and bound for heaven. A child of God, destined and bound for heaven. We sing it in the song. So this last beatitude is one of the most positive descriptions of the Christian that I think we have of all of them. He or she will be persecuted. What a test. And I think it's a very misunderstood scenario, this thing of persecution and for righteousness' sake. It's part of the New Testament teaching. In fact, if you want to, turn over to John 15 with me. The Gospel of John, chapter 15, where Jesus teaches on this. John 15, we'll start with verse 18. In the world, or he says, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own, but because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, I love that, Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, Jesus says, they will also persecute you. Over in one more chapter, John 16, verse 33. Look at this. John 16, 33. Jesus says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace, you're going to find peace in the world? You're going to find peace in anything this world's got to give you or your job or this or that? No, you're not going to find peace, not God's peace in any of these things. It's only in him. But then he says, in the world, guess what you're going to have in the world? Tribulation. And there's another precious promise, right? In the world, you shall have tribulation. Well, thanks, Lord. Another one of those great promises I can stand on. <laughs> Guaranteed, right? Tribulation. But... And here's a great but. Be of good cheer, because I've overcome the world. So we become overcomers 
in him. So this is something that Jesus taught about. Remember on uh, Wednesday nights, we're, we're in Jeremiah. Second chapter of Jeremiah is incredible as the children of Israel, children of Judah actually, are turning their backs on God's love. They're rejecting the love of God. And God's saying, what have I done to you that you would turn your back on me to reject the love of God? Now, it is true that we will be rejected in this world. That's a part of living for the Lord, to receive rejection. Jesus, of course, was rejected. He was, Isaiah says, despised and rejected of men. Then he shared with us, if they rejected me, they're going to reject you. Over in John's Gospel in chapter 2, in verse 24, after everybody had left Jesus, and Jesus knew men, it says here in verse 24, but Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. And he knew men were fickle. He knew he started out with this 70 and these guys were just loving him. And there were multitudes around him. But then it went down to 12. And after the 12 went the three a little further with him to go pray. And they even fell asleep. And then there was only one with him at the crucifixion. One, one apostle. The rest were gone. Where are the others? They're fickle. See, man has always been that way. And one minute he's saying, Hosanna, save us now, Savior. And the next minute they turn around and say, crucify him, crucify him. Interesting. How can man flip-flop so easily? But he does. Rejection is just a part of life, especially if you're living for the Lord. And you'll receive it. And, and yes, there'll be even rejection with your spouse, with your friend. Rejection in the home of father or mother, of employer, employee. It, it always comes. But rejection should drive us to him. And as Jesus found out that his solace is with his father, so we are being taught that through the rejection that we receive in this world. That it's me and the Lord, man. And we're a majority. As long as I'm in his presence, he's with me, I'm comforted. Hey, we can do anything. That's all I need. That is all we need. And yet, sometimes we depend on people so much, and then when all of a sudden we get rejected, it just wipes us out. No, 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 no. We need to not reject God's love. So here's the thing we need to do with this whole thing. Because Jesus showed us, he hung on the cross, and they reviled him. They threatened him. And Jesus said, you need to follow my example. And he gave himself to God who judges righteously. And he was able to handle it, the rejection. And he was able even to pray for them who nailed him to the cross. So there's two things we need to do with this rejection. Number one, we need to accept the rejection from people in our lives. And to realize that it's bringing us closer to our Lord. We don't depend on man. Or the strong arm of man. We depend upon the Lord. We stand in his power and in his might against the wiles of the enemy. He's my all in all. And number two, we need to avoid the rejection of God from our lives. In other words, that we would not reject his love. That we wouldn't grieve his spirit. That we would do nothing to put a wall between us and the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. We need his love. Paul goes on in writing to the Corinthians, and he's saying, and to the God of 
all comfort. And he is, who will comfort us in all our tribulation, in all our trials, with the same comfort so we can turn around and comfort others with the same comfort that we were comforted of. He goes on to talk about, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, that we're afflicted, the same sufferings which we also suffer. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, as you are partakers of the sufferings, we don't want you to be ignorant brothers of our trouble that came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, in so as much as we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raises the dead, who delivered us. And there's the past. He's delivered me from such great a death. And he doth deliver in the present, doesn't he? He delivers me now. In whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. I love that. He has delivered me. He is delivering me. He will deliver me no matter what goes on. So that comfort, the God of all comfort, we're in good hands. So persecuted, and here's an important point. Don't miss this. Persecuted for what? For righteousness sake. That's an important point. Don't miss that. We do know this, that today's Christian persecution is greater than what the early church experienced greater in number, greater in in area, greater in every way as far as being very active. Two-thirds of the world is under persecution as I speak. Very aggressive. We have an enemy that is very aggressive, seeking to put out the light. He always seeks to do this. This verse should become, or could become, let me put it this way, a very important verse in our lives, if the fiery trials that are coming, and they're coming, continue to come into this nation, we too could experience the furnace of affliction here in our own backyard, in this nation. Already we see the signs of it in our laws, in our government, in what's taking place within the nation. It's coming, guys. The persecution that I, I was thinking about, some of the things that I experienced in my Christian walk, and a couple of things that really stand out. One time I was in, in a public arena in um, a high school here in our town, and I was giving a message to uh, the graduating class, and it was a full stadium, thousands of people there. It was the graduating class, and it was the final thing of the year, and they invited me to come and be the guest speaker. So I came, and it just happened that that there was two uh, narcotics detectives that were just killed in Pico Rivera, and they lost their lives, and a bad drug deal went bad. And, you know, that was on everybody's hearts, and everybody was just, you know, going, whoa, what's happening? And so I got a little, little into the way this nation is going and, and where we're sending our kids, and I talked to the class, and you need to be ready for what's out there. And it's not a pretty world. But then I began to speak about the gospel and how the Lord wants to prepare us and we, how we need Christ and how you need to receive Christ into your hearts and he'll give you a new heart and he'll, he'll equip you for what's up ahead. And it was a great time and the Lord really poured out his spirit and the message got across. And I got down off the podium and then we were going out the back and I had to have a, a whole bunch of people around me because there was these people trying to get me and trying to slug me. 
And they were just going, I want, I want that guy. Come here, I want a piece of you, man. And they were just freaking out. And it was just people upset because they got hit. You know how you throw a dog into a bunch of, I mean a dog. Yeah, you throw a dog into a bunch of stones. And the stone that yelps gets, you know, no. You throw a stone in the midst of a bunch of dogs, and the one that gets hit, yelps. Yeah, right? There's people getting hit with the gospel. They didn't like what they heard. I had some teachers come up to me and say, you know, I'm a Christian teacher, and you just helped me to come out of the closet because I have not been up front with my faith. I haven't been truly living a righteous life myself, and it just helps me. But then I had a lot of people angry. In fact, they, to the point of calling their attorneys, calling our church, and they're saying they're going to sue us because of the message. That's just a little bit. Now, I've been in other countries, and they were, you know, in Africa and all, under coups, and, and, and there's been bad situations come up. We were preaching the gospel in a crusade, and these guys kidnapped us and took us into the jungle and beat us up, and, 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 and we're going to kill us. And it was a scary time. And so there's a little taste that I've had of that, that physical persecution. I don't think there's many of us here that could say we actually have, you know, there's been blood drawn but there's been that outward persecution, verbal, you know, and, and the pressure's on, and it's coming. But for righteousness' sakes, not that we, we're obnoxious and we bring it on ourselves, not that we're difficult and maybe we lack wisdom in our witness, and I think some suffer in their own doing because of how they handled the situation. I, I've seen people trying to cram the gospel down other people's throats. And you know what? You've got to be careful. If you get dogmatic like that, you, somebody's going to put a fist in your face. I've seen it on Hollywood Boulevard. You know, they get really radical out there. Then I've, then I've heard those testimonies of, well, I was at work and, and I was witnessing and I was trying to, you know, be a witness and sharing with my fellow workers. And my boss just came up and he two-checked me, man, and said, get out of here. Man, I was persecuted. Then I asked him, well, when did you do this witnessing? Did you do it on your employer's time? Yeah. Well, then you deserved it, man. You don't go off and witness on your employer. Do it at break. Do it at lunch. But not on his time. I've been persecuted, you know. You brought it on yourself. There was an old preacher down when we were kids down at the Huntington Pier and and this guy was begging for it, man. The way he came off to the kids, you know, he was preaching, you know, yelling, hellfire and brimstone and everything. So we'd fill up his cuffs with sand, and, and then we'd get a guy behind him, and somebody would go, boo, and then he'd fall over, and we'd laugh. We messed around with him because he deserved it. <laughs> he was just off the wall. And then he'd go, you guys are persecuting me, man, you know. We're going to this playing with you. We're not persecuting you. But it was just his actions, his attitude, you know. We have to be careful. You can bring it on yourself, just how you are. So a distinction needs to be made between the persecution we bring on ourselves and that which is for righteousness' sake. We'll put the brakes on right here in Matthew chapter 5 and share the rest of this message next time on Sound Doctrine. Pastor Jeff Johnson's message, Living Godly, Persecution, can be heard again at SoundDoctrineRadio.org.
You can get today's study on CD when you call us toll-free, 800-353-7553. The suggested donation is $5. Again, that's 800-353-7553. Marijuana, self-realization, meditation, self-hypnosis, psychedelic drugs, yoga. Jeff Johnson tried all of that and more in search for the clear light. But it wasn't until he met Jesus that his life truly changed, and he experienced life and light. In his book, The Seeker, you'll hear this amazing testimony, and I think you'll be left greatly encouraged and thankful. We're offering The Seeker right now at sounddoctrineradio.org. You can also call us at 800-353-7553 to order resources from us. Sound Doctrine is listener-supported. Simply put, it takes, a, it takes a team to accomplish this goal of reaching people around the world with the sound doctrine contained in God's Word. Whether it's a one-time gift or ongoing monthly support, God is using it in great ways to impact people with His life-changing truth. You can make a secure donation online at sounddoctrineradio.org or by calling 800-353-7553. If you've been blessed as you've studied along with Pastor Jeff, please let us know. Email us today at sounddoctrine at calvarydowney.org. And also mention the station that you're listening to and tell us what the Lord is doing in your life. Again, reach out to us at sounddoctrine at calvarydowney.org. And then come back next time when we'll have another study in Matthew's Gospel for you here on Sound Doctrine with Pastor Jeff. Sound Doctrine is furnished on this station by Calvary Chapel Downey. So far away.